This is the full interview from a segment from the Overdrive radio and podcast program. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au. When car companies have a sedan and a hatchback, they're often very similar, certainly at the front, and the sedan is often just a fairly pedestrian sort of vehicle at the back. Now, I've just been driving some of the Hyundai's i30s, a very successful little car in the small car category, along with things like Corollas. Now, the hatchback, it's been here for a few years, uh, looks fine and, and went, went went well. But then, as I was about to swap to the sedan, they drove out in the sedan and it looked just so different. And so I think making a particular statement. So where, where's that at? How's that all working? Well, the guy to talk about that is Bill Thomas, who is the general manager of Hyundai's public relations. G'day, Bill. G'day, David. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. They are often quite similar. Why is the i30 different? Well, it's interesting. They're actually completely different design generations. So the, the, the new i30 sedan that you've just driven is a, is an all new design generation, um, one, one step further on from the hatch. Uh, and it's interesting that the, the sedan is actually sold and, and designed for the US market and the South Korean market, whereas the, the i30 hatch is primarily a European design. So what we've seen here is the, is the, is the sedan overtaking the hatch, if you like, in terms of design language. Does it give you a broader grasp of different elements of the market? It does, yeah, and we're always going to have sedans in our range. And I, I, I don't know about you, David, but I'm a bit of a sucker for a good sedan. I, I grew up with, with uh, Commodores and Falcons, I don't mind saying, and uh, I've always uh, liked sedans. I like the way the luggage area is separate from the, the passenger area, and I think it's always good to give customers choice, and, and that's what we're doing here with, um, with both body styles, and obviously that aligns with our competition as well. Well, they are declining in number, yet I think there's some design cues. A lot of, of the hatchbacks are getting more angles and creases and that to it. This one has, I'd have to say, more an elegance. How, how would you describe it? So I would say that you're right there, and the official term for the design language is sensuous sportiness, which <laughs> is a bit of a mouthful, but you know how designers like to, to talk, that, talk that way. And the guy who oversaw the design um, of this particular car is a guy called Luke Donkervolker. Quite an interesting surname, a Belgian designer. But if you look him up, um, he was responsible for the Lamborghini Murcielago, uh, the Lamborghini Gallardo and Bentley Continental GT. So he's some designer and he oversaw the look of this car. And if, if you look carefully, you can see that sort of design elegance, the uh, Lamborghini cues in some of the lines and, and also a little bit of a, a hint of Bentley here and there. It's, it's quite interesting. And I think we've, um, we've come a long way with design since Luke took over the global design chief role. Um, yes, you're right. It is, it's a very striking looking car, but it has a certain elegance to it as well. I know it. There's the company whose name I should not mention, but the Kia Stinger has reinvented, I think, and the Koreans are doing very well in putting elegant sedans together that are not just practical, almost Camry-like. They're much more designed to them. Correct. And if you look at the the i30 sedan, which is it's called Elantra in, in the U.S. market, uh, it's uh, actually up against one of its chief rivals is the Honda Civic. That's actually quite a, a striking design as well. And mm. I think what we're finding globally is that the, the sedans really need to strike out on, on their own path. And, 
and and look very different to hatchbacks. And and that's what we're seeing with this particular car. It really is quite striking and different. And um, we're in in the lucky position to be able to sell both the European design hatch and and the globally designed uh, sedan together. Now, when you combine those two together, I think the first two months of this year, you are almost equal to Corolla in sales. So will that have a certain credibility, cachet to you, to, if you can knock them off? We don't look at that too much. We have our own targets and, you know, we're keen to hit, hit our own targets. But it is nice to have the, 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 the two models combined now. Obviously, previously, it was the sedan was called the Elantra and it was classified as a different model. Now we've combined them. Yes, we do get the, the combined sales figures, but it's not an important factor, really. I, I think customers will understand that you know the two body styles go together, and it gives them a choice um, of uh, one or the other. So, so that's nice. But yeah, obviously it is good to have them combined now. What's the split at the moment? It's about ten percent sedan, ninety percent hatch. Oh, it's around that level. So fairly small numbers in in some ways, but. But we're quite um, we're quite happy with that, and I guess the, the the key to it is to is to really give customers that choice. There are different demographics in the market for these different sorts of vehicles. Yeah, it is. It's quite interesting, actually. The the previous Elantra skewed toward a more mature demographic, um, people that were looking for, I guess, a, a little bit more of a bargain, but also had a traditional sedan in mind. So it was uh, that plus. We found that the, there was a younger demographic as well, a bargain seeker for the previous Elantra. So it was a sort of combination of more mature and, and more youthful with a, a sort of gap in between, which was interesting. A gap that might be filled by a young professional that doesn't want to look with a normal boxy car but might want to make a statement without having to go to a, a huge, big, more expensive prestige vehicle. Yeah, that, that's what we're aiming at with this with this car, and with its design language, it, it has the ability to attract that kind of buyer. I mean, we're starting from around twenty five thousand with with the manual, so it's still quite good value for money given the equipment in the car. But then we're going up to you know around thirty seven for the N line premium. So we've got a quite a broad range there with a sort of sweet spot in the middle with the Elite uh, at around thirty to thirty one. So. It's a broad range, but we're, what we're trying to do is make sure that we still have a value for money factor there, but also offer, as you say, the, the younger professional, a really stylish and well-equipped car. Inline premium, are they becoming the prominent part of the sedan sales? Very much so, David. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we, we don't have um, a breakdown of the premium model, but N-Line overall, so we've got N-Line and N-Line premium together, hmm. they're actually making up 41% of all i30 sedan sales year to date. So 40% is a little higher than we thought, but it looks like the N-Line is the one that people really want. It is interesting, and I think the split with demographic is proving what you've just said, that we're, you know, the N-Line and N-Line premium models together with the turbocharged engines are, are really attracting that young professional buy, uh, buyer who wants more equipment and more performance. The more equipment, the dashboard is much more modern. It, it's a little flat in some ways, but it's clearly digital. Is that appealing to a particular part of the market? We're hearing from the dealers that that is a, a really good selling point. So the um, Elite model and above have twin 10.25-inch screens, and that kind of really clear digital instrument cluster and a digital center screen 
you know, even three or four years ago was the preserve of luxury cars like Mercedes-Benz. And hmm. you turn the car on and the, the digital screens come to, to life. And it, it really is quite quite impressive for the, the, the price point of the car. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sort of give people as much technology as we possibly can um, at an affordable price point. And it's something that we're going to keep doing with future models. The thing that I liked about the material that we got, and I'm not just saying this to you, I, I push this as a line, is that you're up front about your automatic emergency braking. I think you call it FCA now, don't you? Forward collision assist. The important thing is that I think you listed in a table what are the conditions and where does it work in terms of picking up a pedestrian, what speeds does it mainly operate in versus out on the highway. It's important that automatic emergency braking can mean different things to different people. The critical point is transparency and being upfront about that. We agree and we think it's important for people to understand not just what these systems can do, but what they can't do. Hmm. And obviously, we're always promoting the idea of the driver being very much vigilant and in charge, but also understanding the limitations of these systems. And as you know, David, people will tend to, to trust systems very quickly. Hmm. You know, if, if there's an autonomous system that's available to people, they'll tend to just trust it because it's a, it's a fantastic, you know, automatic system. It's robotic and it's, it's intelligent and people just relax and accept it. Well, that's not necessarily the best thing to do. So we, we encourage the drivers to be vigilant and also to understand the limitations of the system. And one of the, one of the, the, the key sort of cliches, I guess, is that these uh, automatic um, braking systems will bring the car to a full stop. Well, that's not actually the case. You know, if you're traveling at a higher speed, you will get partial braking. So you'll mitigate the effect of an accident, but the car won't fully stop above a certain speed. And yeah, we do think that it's important that customers understand that. It doesn't make you invincible. Definitely not, no. But you tend to find, and you, you'll find this with as the cars get more advanced, that people will relax a little more and perhaps trust the systems a little bit too much. And, you know, we're very, very keen to understand how drivers operate with these systems, how they understand them, and, and also how they understand their limitations. And that's not something that's going away anytime soon, and it's a certainly a huge area of study with our company. I was talking to a colleague today, and we're remembering very early cars. You mentioned Falcons and Commodores. Mm. The first Falcon that came out with power brakes had the word power brakes on the brake pedal. Yeah. It had to tell you so that you were ready for something that might be a bit different. Yes. In some ways, I think that epitomises it. Uh, Bill, I love the fact that we're looking at design not just as an extension of graphic design, lines and creases and that, but an elegance flow. And I think the tail of the car, it has that little bit of a lip that's uh, like a uh, spoiler, but without a cheap tack-on sort of thing, but it, it makes the tail look of rather distinctive. Yes, and if you look at the line from the, the C-pillar, you know, the, 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 the back of the car running down into the boot, so that line that goes from the boot with that lip spoiler that you're talking about right up to the roof, it's virtually a straight line. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing shape, but there isn't really a, a prominent boot in some ways. There's a bit of a change in angle, but the shape is very distinctive, and, and I think it's also proportionally very interesting. If you look at the overall proportions and the balance of proportion with the car, it's not just about line. It's about where the proportions sit and, and how different areas of the car relate to each other 
certainly an interesting looking car and we're finding you know our dealers are, are saying that, that customers are attracted to it they might come in looking for a hatch but they're having a look at that sedan as being a really interesting option more power to that bill lovely to talk to you thank you very much for your time Good on you, David. Thank you. And that's Bill Thomas, who is the General Manager for Hyundai Public Relations, talking about their i30. Oh, it's got a hatchback and it's got a sedan, and they really are two quite different vehicles, which I think adds to the appeal of the market. Overdrive is a radio and podcast program featuring road tests, interviews and features on motoring and transport. More information is available at drivenmedia.com.au and podcasts on Spotify or iTunes.